Bo, can I help you? Listen up. I'm bringing you the best content to ever exist in the door-to-door industry from sales, leadership, recruiting, and personal development. Well, why would I need that? Because never before have we been able to collaborate with the top experts in their industries, sharing their secrets and techniques on what makes them the best. Wait, who, who are you? I'm your host, Sam Tagger, creator of the DDD Experts and DDDCon. Is there a place we can sit down? Well, come on in. All right, everybody. Uh, this is Sam Taggart, and I'm here with Jake Peden. He is the co-founder of Anthem Pest Control. And this is actually, believe it or not, his first full year knocking. And I think he's the first first year rep I've ever had on my podcast. So congratulations for that, Jake. That's, that's a big awesome, deal. That uh, yeah, is a big deal. Yeah, I appreciate it. Yeah, so um, breaking records his first year. He's already at 700 pest control accounts, and it is June 5th. So from January to June... He's already hit 700, so he's well on track to go do a Golden Door Award. He's a speaker at DDCon Virtual, so those that are registered, making sure to go watch his 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 training tomorrow. Uh, and it's gonna—I'm just super excited to have you on the show. So a little bit about Jake. Yeah. He he, uh, he was a assistant strength and conditioning coach for the Atlanta Falcons, uh, and he's done you know, helped, helped with the jazz strength and training and he's helped with BYU and he's been a big part in the athletics and kind of got in the door door game a little late. So he's got an interesting story. We're going to today focus on really the grit it takes in, in, in the correlation between sports and this job. And he has a rich background in competing and, and strength and conditioning and watching teams thrive, lose, win all sorts of fun backgrounds so super excited you probably worked with some really cool athletes we'll kind of dive into that we are excited to announce jordan belfort the real wolf of wall street at d2dcon 2019 january 10th through 12th in salt lake city register today at d2dcon.com come as a team learn as a team leave as a team and then really just what it takes to be mentally tough on this, like the mentality it takes to be consistently throwing in, because I bet you a lot of people listening to this are like, wait, you can't sell pest control in January and February. It's, you know, it's too cold or there's no bugs or whatever, you know, and too much snow on the ground. Yeah, exactly. So like, you know, I think a lot of people, um, are, are probably wondering like, how does he do that? How do you do it so fast? You know, cause we, we have these mental barriers that we all run into. So today we're going to kind of cover those things. Uh, super excited to have him on the show, Jake. So, yeah, tell, so little, tell, tell us a little bit about you and um, maybe just kind of how you got recruited. Cause I mean, essentially you co-founded or started your own company before even really getting recruited into the space. I mean, coming yeah. in, late, it, it, this is not the typical, Ooh, I, I, I was in college and a guy knocked on my yeah. door and got me. <laughs> you know, um, um, tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. So when I, um, when I was 20 years old, 21 years old, um, I did a mission for, for my church, for the LDS church. And when I came back, I wanted to knock doors and sell door to door. And I wanted to, I sat down with a handful of different companies and, you know, a couple of different friends who were already in the industry. Um, and, you know, I even went out on a couple of blitzes with a few different companies in satellite, but, uh, you know, just timing and, uh, you know, th- not the right company, not the right fit, you know, just didn't really work out at the time. Um, and so I went, you know, to college, I went to school full time. 
I go to school over the summer, um, obviously fall and spring, and just wanted to graduate as fast as I can so that I could get into the work field. Um, the Utah Jazz head strength coach, who I, I believe now is one of their assistant coaches, he's a good buddy of mine and, and, a, and a big mentor of mine. And so I started following him around, um, working with the Jazz for a little bit when I was in college. And then he told me, I told him at the time I wanted to be a strength coach in the NBA. And he told me that I needed some experience at the collegiate level so I could work with a lot of different athletes. And so he told me to go down and see if BYU or Utah, I was going to Utah Valley University at the time. Go Wolverines. <laughs> go Wolverines, man. Um, so I was going there. They didn't have a, a, a football team, and I wanted to work specifically with football. Um, and so I went to BYU. I got connected with some people there, and then they hired me on as a student assistant strength coach. Um, so I stayed there for three seasons, and then I got a degree in exercise science, and I um, went and worked for the Falcons for a couple of years. But the person that recruited me into door-to-door -door was my brother. Uh, Aaron Peden, he used to be a uh, technician for Dish One, and he worked for a handful of other satellite retailers, and he now owns his own uh, DirecTV retailer, but he was the one that, um, that got me to leave the Falcons and um, got me to get into door-to-door. -door. Wow. So, yeah. I mean, it sounds like you were actually kind of like excited to get into door-to-door. -door. Like it was something you were like itchy to do. Yeah where I think a lot of people are like, man, you, you worked your way through college all the way to the NFL stage, which yeah. I guarantee there's a lot of people listening to this being like, wait, wait, you left NFL <laughs> to go knock yeah. doors. Tell us about that transition a little bit. Um, I may touch on this a little bit in the training, but to go into a little bit more detail on, on that specific question, I remember I put a ton of hours in when I worked in, at, I mean, the Jazz and BYU, but especially the NFL. It was a different animal, and we worked really, really hard. We'd start our season basically mid-July, and we were seven days a week until January 5th or 6th. Um, so there was no days off, even on the days off where it was a bye week or um, you know, like the mandatory NFL day off on Tuesday for players. We always still worked. The coaches and, you know, front office, we always still were in there working. And so I remember going down one day to the indoor from the weight room, and I was driving the, this golf cart across the field. And I, I would always see our GM, Thomas Dimitrov, out there walking around the field. He'd always have, a, you know, his headphones on, talking on his phone, making deals, you know, talking to all these different people and agents and whatnot. And I remember looking at him one day, and I was like, this man and myself, we put in probably the same amount of hours into football, you know, different parts of the building, different jobs, different roles and titles, obviously. But in terms of the hours and the commitment to our profession, we're putting in about the same amount of work. And so I thought to myself, once I got down to this indoor and I was grabbing some Gatorade or, you know, something to bring back up in the weight room. And I just thought to myself, the, there's, there there's a massive investment if you want to become a master in your field, a massive, massive investment. And he and myself, the investment that we were putting in, the investment that he had already put in doing, you know, whatever it is that he did the previous 20 years to become a GM, his return and my return were drastically different, right? You know, I was making with the Falcons probably $40,000 a year, which is obviously not very good, especially for the time that you put in. The guy above me was making probably a hundred, and then the head guy was around three, two fifty to three hundred grand. 
Um, there's obviously no guarantees that you'll ever become a head guy. And once you do, no matter how credentialed you are or how, how much you continue to master your craft, the NFL is only going to pay you so much. And as a strength coach, it was about 250 to 300. So I thought to myself when I saw our GM, we're putting in similar amounts of time into this, but your return is millions of dollars and my return is millions less. So it just, that's when it clicked for me. Okay, I need to get into a profession where I can put this amount of time that I'm putting in. I'm willing to put the time in. I'm willing to put the work in and develop my skills, but I want to make sure that my return can be maximized. And I felt like door to door was an incredible opportunity and just an incredible industry to get into because I had seen a lot of buddies go out and do it and do really, really well. And I felt like they're probably putting in half the amount of time that I put in maybe on a weekly basis here for this. Um, So, you know, the hours that we would work during those seven months out of the year are probably more than what most people would do in a two, three, four year span. I mean, it was just incredible. So I wanted to get into door to door because I felt like I could maximize my earnings and I could really see results um, from, from trying to master something and become really, really good at it. So door to door just made perfect sense to me. That's really cool. Um... With First American, accept payments right at the doorstep. Our solutions are easy to use, highly secure, and capable of accepting multiple forms of payment. Best of all, we can offer a meter beat of your current payment processing rates. Ready to save money on your business costs? Come check us out and get started. So tell us, tell us a little bit about kind of what gets you fired up. Like, you know, a lot of people, they almost like, I've heard people say like, well, if I didn't want to, sacrifice the time or, or if I wanted to sacrifice the time I would sell a thousand or if I wanted to yeah you know like it's always kind of like this they always come up with this excuse but it, naturally you've got to have some kind of like wind behind your sails like what motivates you what gets you going why 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 sell such high volume and, and crank yeah um good question so what really helped me was spending a lot of time over the previous seven years with people who were the best in the world at what they did. It was pretty fascinating to spend time with. I remember training with, you know, Julio Jones or Devonte Freeman or Matt Ryan. And, you know, maybe people will argue here and there, you know, their skill set, who their favorite players are, but um, in terms of just raw athletes and, you know, take Julio Jones, for example, I used to just watch him in practice and think to myself, you're probably top one, two, maybe three in the world at what you do. There's, there's, there's not out of the six, seven billion people on this earth. You're one, two, or three at what you do. And it was pretty incredible to be around people that were such elite performers. Um, coach Quinn, who, um, you know, I only spent one year with, he's the head coach for the Falcons. He and I weren't really close, but we were pretty good friends there um, and, and developed a pretty good relationship my last year there and his first year. And he was just, I don't think I've ever met somebody who was so obsessed with discovering their potential and helping other people to discover that in them. And so what really motivates me and what really gets me going is realizing that I can do something if I become just maniacal about it and dedicate my whole life to it. That, that really motivates me. It intrigues me. It's all, it's almost like a game. Like I'm, you know, how, how good can I get at something? Coach Quinn would always talk about how tight can we get as a group? How good can we get, you know, how much can we control the ball? How much can we, he was just obsessed with discovering how good we could possibly get. And what motivates me is the realization of it being a reality. 
So I'm not motivated to go out and work as hard as Julio Jones at football because I'll never be as good at football as he will. But he knows how good he can become, so he's very motivated to develop that skill. And door-to-door in sales is a skill that anybody on planet Earth can develop. And if you can become a top 1% guy in sales, whatever you're selling, whether it's pest control or tractors, I mean, you're going to be really, really successful. So I'd say, number one, what motivates me is just discovering what I can do and realizing that I can do it if I'm willing to put in the time and the work. And then the other thing that really motivates me is somebody – Somebody, I can't even remember who it is, and I say this all the time, and I wish I could remember who said it, but somebody told me when I was with the Falcons that um, the definition of hell is meeting the person on your last day on earth that you could have become. Wow. And I when like- I think about that, I'm like, oh, my gosh, yeah, I would – that would that'd be a major bummer if my last day on earth I met the guy who I could have become. So I, that terrifies me, so that pushes me every single day to want to be as good as I possibly can so that I can be, you know, the person that – that I was supposed to become. And I, I truly believe that the more successful you are, the more impact you can have on other people and the more positive influence you can have on people around you. And you can just live a much more fulfilled life. I think prog- happiness stems from progression. So whatever you do, you might as well just try and progress as much as you can when you're doing it. I love that. Um, man, two, two awesome questions. I'm writing, I'm like literally taking notes cause this is, this is so good. Um, but I, I, two questions kind of popped up for me as you kind of spoke on this principle. And, and I think it's really interesting to dive into the correlation of NFL and working with some of these top athletes. Um, what common characteristics do you, did you see in the top athletes like these, you know, Julio and all these guys in, and a top performer in our job? Like what are some of the yeah. common characteristics that you see correlate? Because I really yeah. do see this as a game. It's a sport. It's yeah. The more we take this job like that, I think the more we perform, but you know, we're putting on a performance every day. So I'm, I'm curious, what are those common characteristics that you see kind of convert? I do. I think it's a job is, I think it's a sport as well. And, and I, I, I completely agree. It's a game and you know, we're, we're trying to go out and compete and win every day. Um, and your greatest competition will obviously always be yourself. And, uh, you know, we re- even refer to there's an in-season, there's an off-season, um, you know, with, with door-to-door. Oh, and so I, I think that um, from what I've seen uh, with the different athletes that I worked with, um, I would say the number one thing that made those guys a top one percenter or made those guys a cut above, because once you get to the NFL, everybody's good. And everybody has ball skills and everybody has speed. Everybody can jump. Everybody can do everything that you're supposed to do. And so what really separates somebody is number one, I would say having a killer instinct, you know, athletes who are very, and and same in in this job as well, guys who are just top one percenters, high performers in any industry, they have a killer instinct. And it's, you know, once you've, once you rush for a hundred yards in the first half, it doesn't matter. Like, you know, you want to go out and rush for a hundred more in the second half. And, you know, there's just that you never, ever, ever stop. Um, and different coaches have different philosophies about this, but in the NFL for the most part, and as, as kids in sports, you know, you're taught, okay, let's take our foot off the break. Let's, you know, the 10 run rule in baseball and all this. And I think that's really bad because, in, in, in life, like you, you don't ever take your foot off the gas. It's hard to build momentum. So once you build it, you need to keep going and going and going. And the Falcons are a prime example of that losing a 28 to or blowing a 28, three halftime lead 
or not even halftime, uh, when they lost in the Super Bowl to the Patriots two years ago, and they were up 28 to three, they stopped. They took their foot off the gas. Um, so I think having a killer instinct, and you know, it's like the guy in this industry who goes out and, you know, his goal is to sell seven accounts in a day, but he sold seven by three o'clock. You know, if you want to be an elite performer and a top one percent, and somebody who can, you know, separate yourself from the pack. Well, the guy that separates himself will go out and sell seven more between three and dark because, you know, once he hit his goal, it's, it, it's, he wants to continue to climb and build and build and build and build. So, you know, we throw out goals at the beginning of a correlation meeting, but I mean, my max goal, and I think it should be the same for everybody. If you want to be a, a high performer, your max goal should be your minimum goal. So like whatever you've thrown out on the board there for, Hey, I want to get four today. Well, in reality, that should be your minimum. And once you hit that, now just see how far you can go past it. Um, Love that. So I would say your minimum. Yeah. Um, yeah, I would say having a killer instinct, being around those guys, they're they're the most competitive groups of people I've ever been around in my life. They want to win in every single thing that they do, and they take pride in winning. They take pride in um, you know, that's why you still see a lot of athletes who, you know, they'll go out and they'll have a really they'll have a really good game that, you know, the team will win, but their, their performance wasn't where it needed to be. And so they're still, you know, a little bit disappointed because their performance wasn't where they knew that it should be. Um, or, you know, that's also why you see a guy who can go out and, you know, I promise games where Matt Ryan was thrown for 300 yards and had a QB rating of 128. Um, if your rating can even get that high, I think it's somewhere around there. And we lost, he was furious because he just wants to win. And so, you know, competing and winning. Coach Quinn, I spent some years with Coach Smith before Quinn, and Coach Smith, if anybody knows, is a little bit older um, and has been around for a long time. But when Coach Quinn came in, I've never seen a man more competitive and a person who wanted to win more than him. And that was inspiring. It made me want to win in every single thing that I do. And I think it's also being a coach, it's interesting the – how it rubs off on the players. I mean, the performance yep. changed, you know, seeing the shift from coach Smith to coach Quinn in, in a leadership standpoint, you know, mm-hmm. what, what effects did the players, I mean, maybe even same players, same people, but just yeah. having a different coach, a different level of leadership, what effects mm-hmm. did you with the players and how their performance was? Well, so I tell our guys all the time uh, when we're talking about culture, that, when DQ came in his first year, he, the only, you know, he still had all the players that were there were all of coach Smith's players, right? Everybody that he had drafted or, you know, Dimitrov, our GM and Pioli, the assistant, the the core group of guys that were with the Falcons and even the core group now were players that Q didn't draft. So, but if anybody remembers when, when Q came in his first year with the Falcons, we started off hot. We went six and zero, oh, and and then we kind of tanked. We we lost like seven of our next nine. But uh, the following year, they you know they went to the Super Bowl, and that you know that I wasn't there for that. That was when they left, but or when I left. But his second year, he took the team to the Super Bowl, which is still essentially the same core group of guys that were already there. But there was one thing that changed dramatically when as soon as he walked into the building, and it was culture. As soon as he came in the building, he changed the culture, which changed the performance of the same players that we had from previous years. And so I think it's so key in door to door and not, you know, in obviously in every industry to create a really, really good culture because it inspires performance. 
and it inspires people to want to do more and do better. One thing that Q was so good at, and you know, this is for anybody who's like leading or wants to lead or wants to be a manager. One of the best leadership traits that coach Quinn had was his ability to connect with everybody. So, you know, you go out and you recruit 20, 30, 40 guys, you're going to have a lot of different personalities and you're going to have some people in your group that fit in better with a group than others. And it's so important from a leadership standpoint to involve everybody and connect with everybody and make everybody feel a part of the team. You know, and, and coach Smith, in my opinion, you know, just wasn't very good at that. He didn't really connect the two years that I was there with coach Smith. Not one time did he say my name. Wow. And the second Quinn got there before when he introduced himself to me, or as we're introducing ourselves to each other, he said my name. He found out my name, and I was a nobody at the Falcons. I mean, I was the third man on the totem pole on the strength staff. I was a nobody. You know, obviously people knew who I was, but nobody knew who I was <laughs> at, the, at the same time. But when Coach Quinn was there, he made it a point to say my name and when he introduced himself to me. And the first interaction that I really had with him outside of that, he was a big-time boxer, and he and I would box all the time. Um, I would hold the mitts for him, and, and we, would, we would box a lot, you know, after practice, on the road, in the hotel, um, in the locker room before games. That's how he got hyped. And um, I remember one time I went up to his office. Or he told me to come up to his office to get his iPod, and there was a boxing um, playlist. playlist or something, yeah, that I was going to take to go down to the indoor and box with. So when I went up there, this is maybe like his first week there, my first real interaction with him. And as I get to the top of the stairs, his office was down the hall and I just hear somebody bumping bone thugs East 1999. And I walk down and it's him in his office and it's just blasting. And I walk in and, you know, he, he daps me up. He gives me the iPod. He could connect to somebody from the inner city, which is not me, uh, but <laughs> he could connect to somebody from the streets, uh, you know, in Miami Dade County inner city the same way that he could connect to a farm boy in Georgia and it just, he would just relate to everybody make everybody feel a part of the team so Which I, think's um, huge. I think I think it's so critical as a leader in our industry you know you're leading a sales team and you know it's I think people undervalue the importance of culture and the importance of yes. the, like powerful leadership and a lot of times you know how many times I've heard sales leaders say man, I just need to get new guys or man, my guys just can't do this or man, I have yes. a bad team. But it's like, I mean, took the same group of guys and turned them into a, a NFL Super Bowl team, which yeah. in my opinion, it's, it's, it's leadership. I mean, it, it is leading is really what's going to suck and, and, and pull out all the greatness in individuals. And well, and I'll, I'll tell you the other thing that he did as soon as he got in there, he implemented a ton of competition. We competed, and those guys competed in absolutely everything. He raised the ceiling in the team meeting room so we could put a basketball hoop in there. And before team meetings, people are coming up, and they're shooting shots, competing. Um, you know, he put the little uh, corn bag, uh, you know, that, that, that game, cornhole, put those all over the locker room. There was just competition in absolutely every single thing that we did outside of football. And I, I think that's it. important in door-to-door, -door too, is get your guys competing. You know, get them competing with each other, get them competing with themselves and, and just instill competition. So then they'll look at when they go out and they knock on a door, 
they'll look at it as competition and they're not going to be worried about somebody saying, Hey, this, you can't solicit in here or, Hey, no, uh, I've, you guys came by here last week. You know, like all the things that kind of deter somebody and instill fear in a door to door guy, you don't care because at that point you're just looking at that as, as your opponent and you're competing against them and you just want to win. So I, I think instilling that is, is really important. I love that. I want to talk a little bit about the off season. You know, I think, I think a lot of people, they see the, they see the Sunday night football, they see the, you know, they see the game and they see the winning the Super Bowls and the, the 700 account, you on a podcast, they see you on a stage winning a golden door award. They see you getting, you know, driving a nice car or whatever. But I think a lot of times we don't ever really, we don't get a eyes or, you know, eyes in to the off season. We don't, we don't get to see what happened from July, you know, it, or, or these strength and conditioning practices. And, you know, when you were saying yeah. seven days a week, like, you know, the preparation, how, how, how does off season training in the NFL correlate to our off season training in our industry when you, you know, cause a lot of people do run this seasonally. Yeah. Good question. So I, for, I think for me, it's, and, and for what we try to do here, well, I guess speaking on behalf of, you know, I, I guess football, um, as cliche as it sounds, uh, championships are, are, 100% one in the off season. It's, it's what you've done to prepare. And yes, you need a combination of some luck with, you know, having a, you know, some minimal injuries and, you know, timing also plays into that as well, but they're, they're really, they really are one in the off season. And that's when for us as coaches, we would work, you know, it's different for a player, you know, they're, they're often, you know, they, they go train and do their own thing oftentimes, but that's when we do the bulk of our work. And yeah, depending on how hard you have prepared for your season will really determine how far you'll go into the season. And the same thing here, you know, when, when you're in, you know, on, on the doors. So, you know, most guys will knock, you know, some guys will spend, you know, maybe more or less uh, four to three to six months, somewhere around there uh, knocking. And I guess some guys go a little bit longer, but you know, it's, it's funny during the off season for us in door to door in our industry here, um, if you want to get good, and we've got guys that have seen this right now. Our top sellers here right now are all guys who worked a lot during the off season. Yeah. They practiced, they role played, they read a lot of books that we, you know, we recommended and that they found that, you know, helped them with sales and they prepared themselves as much as they can. And for me, like I looked at it as like, well, you know, if I'm going to go out and I'm going to, if anybody's going to go out and sell door to door, if you've committed to a summer and you've committed to go out, you know, May through August, it makes no sense at all to even do that. If you don't prepare, you know, your guts out prior, you know, leading up to that, if you just go out and you just yeah. expect by selling, you're going to get better by July. I mean, you might see a little improvement, but not much. I mean, you've got to prepare and just train, 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 train. And the level to which you've trained during the off season will dictate the level to which you can get to in the, during the season. Yeah. And I think, I think that there's something to be said at that because I think we don't in our, in our, in our industry, I don't think a lot of people talk about it. You know, they're like, Oh, I was in school all the way till end of May and I turned my school yeah. brain on and I now turned my selling brain on, you know, yeah. May 1st. And it's like, well, you should have turned your selling brain on quite a while yeah. ago in order yeah. to actually go perform because you only got a four or six or whatever, three months, like however long you're selling for, like yep. every day has got to count. And if you're trying oh, to yeah. like, warm those selling muscles up, then yep. good luck. And, and I think it's really cool. Like, you know, you and Ben, you guys have, 
you know, now subscribe to the D2D University. We're getting that all set up. But I think just like the passion and the willingness to invest into, you know, the learning and the, you know, training, you can tell that you and Ben and you guys, the other guys are, are excited about putting together systems and culture and yeah. um, strategy around how to best train your people. So, and, and yeah. So I, I, I got to mention too, Mitch Matthews, our other business partner, um, he, he's the most talented human being I've ever met. And that's why we wanted to partner up with him. He played in the NFL. So he played football at BYU. He played in the NFL for the Chiefs and the Dolphins and the Browns. And this is his first year selling too. And he's at 500 service right now. And, Mitch you know, he had, a, Mitch he, had a two, he had a 200 <laughs> month last month. Um, he's already done 60 services in a week. He's never had any experience or exposure to door to door in his life until two months ago. Um, and he and I are very similar and part of my drive and part of, you know, what makes me go and you know, how I've developed, you know, what I have to this point is Mitch Matthews. He's an extremely talented human being. That is so cool. So he, he, he's got to be on the next podcast for he, sure. He better. He, hey, yeah. but one thing, one thing I'm excited about is part of the, Part of the deal setting you up is I don't know if Ben told you, but we're getting some of your training on our on our DDDU for general stuff if you're open to it. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, I'd love yeah. to I'd love to get some of your nuggets um, on yeah. basketball and Met, Mitch and stuff like that to kind of share for the for the rest yeah. of the out there that are part of the subscribers. So that'd be that'd be awesome. Um, oh yeah. So um, last thing is just kind of like your mentality on on the doors, you know, being a top performer, you know, you, Mitch, being in the NFL, playing at the high, high standard, you know, when you knock a door, what are some of the things that go through your head? You know what I mean? It's almost like, okay, you're lining up on the, on the scrimmage line. And yeah. it's like, it's almost that same, same thing. It's like every door is like yep. a new play. It, yeah. That is a cool analogy. It's like, all right, we're back to yeah. line scrimmage. Hurry, yep. huddle. I'm walking to the next door. And now yeah, I'm on yeah. the scrimmage again. I mean, we can exactly. look at it like that. And so you're on the line of scrimmage. What's going through your head? Um, I mean, I think the most important thing, I mean, what, what really goes on in my head as soon as I knock on somebody's door is, it's kind of like Grant Cardone talks about, right? Like sell or be sold. Like either I'm going to sell you or you're going to you know, sell me. And I, I need to win. Like this is you versus me. And I, I, I need to win and I need to win on as many doors as I possibly can. And it's crazy if, if guys will look at things like that, how it makes the job really fun. And it makes it seem like it's like, you know, it's not monotonous and it's not boring because every door is another opportunity. And if you keep getting shut down over and over and over and over, who cares? Like you still, the only reason, the only way I get discouraged in this job is if somebody said, look, you can only knock 273 doors this year good luck go out and get as many sales as you can i mean that that would be stressful and that, that would, would kind be, of be so hard. but i can knock as many as i can and so like you said you know you line up the line of scrimmage i, I need to win specific to our industry uh, and what i i think needs to come across to somebody when you're knocking on their door um at least as far as pest control we pitch pretty hard on uh, on a discount right you know like we're in their neighborhood and there's trucks out in their neighborhood servicing other homes and so if they can get it done while we're out here we're going to give them a discount so i think it's so imperative that when you're knocking on somebody's door somebody has to know and feel like they're getting a good deal and they have you they have to make the connection and we have to make the connection for them and help them get there we have to help them understand that that deal will only come to fruition if they do it now Yep. So 
as soon as they feel like they're getting a really good deal and then they understand that that deal has a timestamp on it and it leaves essentially when I do, then those are the two most important things. And so I try and, I try and get that across and, you know, I, I just try and be as sharp as I can when they open the door. I just think to myself, like, what would somebody, what would I want if somebody was knocking on my door trying to sell me? I mean, I, I wouldn't want to talk to some scrub kid who's got, you know, who looks sloppy, who doesn't, you know, look like he carries himself well. I would, I'd want to talk to a professional, somebody who's sharp and, and knew what they were talking about. Yeah. And I think we can carry a certain level of professionalism as we go door to door. And I think a lot of people under really undervalue that. It's funny. I ride a scooter door to door and a lot of people are like, well, people aren't going to take you serious. And I was like, the second I start talking, they take me serious. Like I treat, yeah. myself, I hold myself at a high standard and, yeah. and, and I, and I speak with eloquency and I speak, you know, with good tone and I, and, and I look good, you know, I just cut my hair. Cause I was like, man, every summer I would have cut my hair anyway. Like I wouldn't have knocked with a, yeah. like, you know, yeah, yeah. I been clean shaven and I would have yeah. been buttoned up. And, you know, for me, it's like, I, I want to, yeah, exactly. I think there's a level of professionalism that needs to happen instead of kind of this, Oh yeah. Hey, oh yeah. Why aren't you buying it? You know what I mean? I think that there's like this yeah. punk mentality. I think a lot of people sometimes give off and yeah. I remember, I remember when I was 18, I probably had a pat a bad habit of just being a smart a you know I was young and mature and I like to you know mouth off to people and I remember I get the cops called on me a heck of a lot more than you know lately knocking just because I had kind of this immature um way of knocking and I think it brings that's almost like what brings a bad name to our industry is like this immaturity that some people don't realize like when you knock that door it's affecting everybody in the future coming to that house, you know, everybody, 100%. every way that that person answers the door from now on, you made an impression on because they're like, Oh, if he's anything like that last guy, like F that yep. guy, you know what I mean? Yeah. Or if he's anything like that last guy, I probably should hear him out. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. You know, and, and that's why it's so critical to be just sharp as a tack on every door because you don't know if the guy before you is somebody who is just, dull as a butter knife and you know that person will immediately make an association with you to him or her and you know you got to make sure that you're you're your best on on every single door you know your first door has got to be treated like it's your last and if every door is treated like that then then you're going to win a lot more than you'll lose and that's really what it comes down to is winning and losing i mean people talk a lot about how life's not all about winning and that's the only thing it's about. It's about winning and, yeah, and everything that you do. No, it's about winning. It's like, it's <laughs> yeah. you could, so, go out, you could go out in the neighborhood and make some sweet friends. You know, yeah. Maybe mow some lady's yard that needs help. I mean, that's, that's yeah. that'll only last you so long. Yeah. You gotta feed the fam. You gotta, you gotta go win. I love oh, it. Yeah. So, um, well, let's kind of, let's wrap on that. I, uh, dude, I, I appreciate Jake. I, I, I love this. Like this, this gives yeah. me energy. I I've been filled up. I've learned a lot. It makes me want to keep like talking to you, uh, yeah. learning about, you know, so I guess I'll just keep watching you tomorrow when you go speak, but uh, <laughs> I, I guess I could just do a continuation. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. No, but I, I, I'm excited. I should get Mitch, Mitch on here and super excited to have you out. You know, I'll see you in January yeah. we'll meet in person. I'm trying to get out. Yeah, absolutely. Georgia, actually. I, there's yeah, yeah, we got to connect if you come out, man. I know. I want to get to Georgia. But anyway, there's a, 
you know, there's a question I always ask everybody at the end, and I always find it interesting. So if you had to give one piece of advice, um, what would that one piece of advice be for the door-to-door industry? How you do one thing is how you do everything. Um, how, and I, that if you can live your life by that principle um, and you're doing those one things that you do are, are good things. And that's how you're going to do everything. You know, how people that succeed at the highest level from what I've seen in my life, there's no task too small. There's no, um, there's no job that's, you know, unimportant. They treat every day like it's their last. They, how you do one thing is literally how you do everything. And I think that that's so important in door to door. Um, you know, if you want to perform on the field the same way, if you want to perform on the doors, carry yourself in a certain way off the doors, have standards, you know, wake up at a certain time, eat right, you know, just live your life in a successful way and try and succeed in everything that you're doing. You'll succeed when you're performing, when you're out on the doors. So I would say, yeah, how, how you do one thing is how you do everything. Well, and, and, it, and it goes to show, it's like everybody wants to be in the NFL, but Mitch Matthews did everything possible to become an NFL athlete, meaning he was a winner. Yeah. He starts in door door. He's a winner. Like, you know what I mean? And, 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 and some people point, it's funny. I'm reading in this book. This is super interesting that you say this because a lot of people, what they do is they, um, they justify and they like to use the word talented instead of, instead of associating grit to individual. And the reason why they say, well, he's just really talented. Mitch Matthews is just really talented. And what that does is it, it gives them an out. It gives them a way yep. to say, I now feel good about myself for not being talented. So then it's yes. like, he's talented, I'm not. And so then what we fail to do is we fail to associate grit. No, he just grinded so much freaking harder and was so yeah. much more wild focused. And how he does one thing is how he does everything, meaning – he yes. shows up to your job that you're supposed to be talented in for the last five years you've been selling pest control. Guess what? He's better than you now <laughs> because yeah, yeah, yeah. how he does one thing, he's going to do it like that with everything. So you just need to say, what hacks do I need to focus on in the grit it's taking for me to become yeah. who I want to become instead of just pawning it off to be like, Oh, but they're just talented. So I think it's yeah. just a pop out. And, you know, I think that that's such a interesting, you know, phenomenon. I was just, jamming on the other day and I, I wanted to say it on something. So this was a good threat. Yeah. Damn on. No, I, but, I totally agree, man. And that's, it's very well said that it's people use it as a cop out and say, Oh, well, yeah, I don't, you know, I don't have the talent. He has the talent. That's why he got there. That's why he did this. Yeah. No, I mean, there's a lot of things that a lot of other people could be doing right now that they just say that they can't because they associate it with talent and not grit. So yeah, exactly. I, totally agree. I love that. Okay. Well, appreciate you having on the show, Jake. We're excited to hear from you. tomorrow, right, man. Yeah. Great. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Okay, thank you.